Well, I don't know if you've noticed, but Christmas movies sometimes pose perhaps the most ridiculous questions as the premise for the plot of their movies. Maybe you've noticed this before. What if a man wished that he had never been born and an angel granted his wish for him to start realizing how many lives would be different if he never existed? It's a wonderful life. What if a man accidentally caused Santa Claus to fall off the roof and then inadvertently ends up replacing Santa Claus himself? Perhaps the Santa Claus. What if a human child was accidentally transported to the North Pole as a toddler and is raised to adulthood among Santa's elves, and in an effort to find out more about his true heritage, he travels to New York City to find his birth father? elf. But perhaps one beloved Christmas movie's plot begs perhaps the most absurd question of them all. How can a family leave on vacation, get all the way to the airport, board their flight, and then halfway over the Atlantic Ocean realize that they accidentally left one of their children home alone? Take a look at this clip. I wonder if that was the same reaction Mary had when she realized she left God's son seemingly alone in Jerusalem. Our scripture reading and story this morning sounds a bit like home alone. How could Mary and Joseph have gotten halfway home and only then realize they accidentally left their son, Jesus, in Jerusalem? And while later on, unlike the movie Home Alone, We're told that the teenage Jesus was not necessarily alone in Jerusalem, but in fact, ironically, at home in his father's house. This detail for the time being eludes the likely frazzled Mary and Joseph for the time being, as they have no clue where Jesus is other than the city they just left. And the running question through their minds, and the one that I want us to ponder this Sunday after Christmas, is where is Jesus. The Gospel of Luke is the only canonical gospel to include a story about the childhood of Jesus. While we can safely assume that Jesus, since he was not only fully God, but also fully human, human, experienced the aging process, 
Regrettably, that span of time between Jesus as an infant wrapped in swaddling clothes and the time when Jesus becomes an adult and starts wandering around the Sea of Galilee, the Bible just doesn't elaborate on that for us, though it has piqued the curiosity and imaginations of some over the centuries. Mark and John do not include much of anything about Jesus' early years. Matthew includes a birth narrative, however, he's silent about the childhood of Jesus, we have to solely rely on Luke for any details or clues. And for those interested for reasons as to why only Luke includes a boyhood narrative of Christ, I'll offer you some quick theories to ponder, then I'll quickly move along. And just to get it right out of the way, I don't think Luke included this story as an indictment on Mary and Joseph's parenting. Perhaps Luke, being the diligent historian he is, deemed it necessary to include this story from the sources he had gathered to give what he calls a orderly account of the life of Christ. Perhaps Luke wanted to exemplify that Jesus lived a full human experience by mentioning a time when he was at youth. Or perhaps Luke wanted to display Jesus being a faithful Israelite from birth to adulthood in an attempt to silence perhaps critics that deemed Jesus a heretic or misguided. Or maybe Luke had another reason all entirely. Nevertheless, we find Jesus' family, Joseph, Mary, and himself, traveling to Jerusalem around the time he is 12 years old. Traditionally speaking, Jesus is still considered a child at this point. As in Judaism, he did not become a man until he was 13. The occasion of this pilgrimage to Jerusalem is an obedience to the Torah, which required visits for important festivals such as Passover and Pentecost and Tabernacles. And for people who lived far away, like a carpenter and his wife and son from Nazareth and Galilee, they were only expected to travel south for Passover. The festivities surrounding Passover commemorated the event and the history of the Israelites when God rescued them from Egypt. Perhaps you know this story from the book of Exodus. It usually lasted seven days, and once it was over, the family would have returned to Galilee, traveling with a caravan of relatives and friends. Perhaps Jesus' distant cousin John, along with his parents, Zechariah and Elizabeth, were a part of this traveling group, but that's only speculation on my part. But amidst family and friends, especially in this era of history and this culture, it's entirely possible that a boy Jesus' age could have gone unaccounted for by his parents for a day. Mary and Joseph likely just assumed their son was hanging out with the other kids somewhere in the pack of familiar faces making their return trip from Jerusalem to Nazareth. And they just kept on assuming it across an entire day's worth of walking But regardless, after a day's journey, we're told that they couldn't find him. And they deduce that the only logical place is that he must be back in Jerusalem. Somehow, he got left behind. And the reactions of Mary and Joseph are natural and appropriate. No parent wants to experience this nightmare. And so they quickly reverse course, go back to Jerusalem, and start looking for Jesus. And more than likely didn't take Mary and Joseph three days to track down Jesus. The three-day countdown started back when they realized he was missing, but at least one of those days is them traveling back to Jerusalem. But this still meant there were at least two whole days of searching the city, 
48 hours of anxiety and stress for these parents who had lost track of the one an angel told Mary would be called the Son of the Most High. The one an angel told Joseph will save his people from their sins. They discover Jesus in the last place they think to check. However, we'll see later, it should have been the first place for them to check according to their son. They find him in the temple, sitting among teachers, listening and conversing with them. Luke describes the reactions of these religious teachers as amazed. This boy Jesus is full of surprises. But ironically, this amazed reaction toward Jesus will not take long to sour as a couple decades later, the religious teachers, perhaps the same ones in this story, will be seeking to destroy Jesus after Jesus' other visit to the temple. But Mary is the one to reprimand her son. Like any mother would, after likely being overcome by intense relief, she expresses both her and Joseph's post-traumatic stress caused by this episode. You can almost hear the tone of Mary's voice when you read this passage, likely because many of us have been either scolded by our own mothers or we've reprimanded our own children ourselves. When my mother scolded me, my middle name was usually interjected to indicate how angry she was with me. But in response, it's then that for the first time in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus speaks. The one hyped up by angels, including one who told a group of shepherds he will be a savior who is Christ the Lord. One who Simeon and the temple deemed a light of revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The highly anticipated one speaks for the very first time. And Jesus' first words are actually two questions. Why are you looking for me? And did you not know that I must be in my Father's house? And these two questions, we see something about the boy Jesus. His parents are said to be astonished, but Jesus is confused. His parents were in great distress, but Jesus is completely calm. He's right where he knows he should be, whether his parents understand it or not. Why did they stress searching for him? Why did they waste time looking other places instead of starting their search at the temple? Jesus appears to know something that his parents do not. And it's actually something we are prone to forget as well during Christmas. Amidst the tinsel and mistletoe, the Christmas movies and twinkling lights, the traditions and carols, all the ruckus and excitement expected by our culture and even by the church sometimes, Jesus has been sent on a mission, a task, a calling, we might say, he has been sent to earth for a reason, and he appears to know it even from an early age. And right from the start, Jesus is all business. Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? He says he must be in his father's house doing his father's 
business. Many of us are quite familiar with how Luke starts his Christmas narrative. However, we may not be so familiar with how Luke decides to end it. In the same chapter that began with a chorus of angels singing, we also have this little story about parental error, deep panic, and great relief that adds a very human, a very earthy, a very mundane component to the Christmas story and perhaps the gospel itself. Let me say that again. Something happens in the life of these familiar biblical characters, including Christ himself, that could very well possibly happen to us. This element of the Christmas story is often overshadowed by the spectacular and the divine and the heavenly elements we're all accustomed to. But there's a tension embedded in the story of Jesus that Luke beautifully captures right from the start because Jesus' entire ministry is all about it. It's about a divine Son of God coming to earth full of failures, problems, and messiness. I think what we see in this little story is that Christmas is about mission. Right from the get-go, right from the start, even before beginning his public ministry, Jesus knew why he was sent to earth. Jesus' parents were searching for Jesus while he was searching for how to be about the tasks his divine Father had set for him. There was no question within the person of Jesus, even from an early age, according to Luke, that he should be doing the things he was sent to earth to do. He placed as a top priority building the kingdom. Later in life, Jesus will say, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God, for I was sent for this purpose. He knew what the plan was from the start, he knew the playbook. And while the text doesn't say, perhaps Jesus knew the links and the planning and the effort that went into getting him to earth in the first place, and he wasn't going to waste his time now that he's here. He got right down to work. He lived into his purpose. That's why the first place to look for Jesus was in the temple, not somewhere else. Jesus was searching for the means to best accomplish what pleased and was obedient to what God the Father who sent him. Jesus couldn't wait to get started. I think for many of us, we want to perpetually stay in that O Holy Night, but Jesus is already moving slowly but steadily towards when I survey the wondrous cross. Jesus doesn't dwell on Christmas for very long because he already has Good Friday and Easter on his mind. There is no Christmas break for Jesus. Jesus is on a mission, and he has his sights set on something, namely the will of his Father. Jesus has gotten right down to business, and perhaps we should too. Christmas is a time of remembrance and celebration but it's also a call to action. Christmas is an anniversary of Christ's birth, but it's also an invitation to join Jesus in his mission on earth. Maybe for some of us, we need to come back down to earth. We've been spending so much time amongst the splendor of the angel voices, but we need to come back down to earth because that's what God's son did. 
He left the realms of glory and the presence of angels to come down to earth in order to redeem that earth. While we've enjoyed precious time together as a Christian community with special services, and perhaps you've enjoyed time with family and loved ones and you've relished those moments, may we not forget that Christ has enlisted and entrusted his church with the same mission he was sent to fulfill. There's business to attend to in this world. Like Christ, who felt he must be about doing his father's business, we too must be about the business of, his, of our heavenly father as well. If you fast forward to the end of Christ's earthly ministry, Jesus tells his disciples, they as the church are now responsible with furthering his mission on earth in his name and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Matthew, Jesus told him, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Like Jesus who was sent to our world, Jesus has sent us out into the world. We are to be his witnesses, his ambassadors of everything that we have seen, heard, and experienced those of us that have been touched by God's grace are called by God to share the good news concerning Christ, but also embody it in our conduct. Jesus told his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Some of you this morning may be looking for Jesus like Mary and Joseph were. Can I tell you where Jesus is? He's where he's always been. He's at work in this world, doing the will of his Father, healing sin-sick souls, bringing people to salvation, and changing hardened hearts. Though his earthly body is absent from us, Jesus, from his place at the right hand of God the Father, is still active and moving in this world, doing the same things he has been doing since he first started on earth nearly two millennia ago. But perhaps the more pertinent question is, where does Jesus find us? I believe when Jesus returns in triumph and glory, he wants to find us busy doing what he did, occupied and faithfully doing his father's business. The best way we can serve God, to serve Jesus, is to be a servant like he was. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. I'm convinced that when Jesus said, what Jesus said is true, when he returns at his second advent, Jesus will say, come to you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? 
and the king will answer. Jesus will say to us, truly I say to you, as you did to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did to me. Where Jesus is, may we also be there. One night, a cobbler, a cobbler is a person that makes or mends shoes. He dreamed that one day, Jesus was going to come visit him. The dream seemed so real that he got up early in the morning and hurried out into the woods so he could gather some greenery to decorate his shop for the arrival of this great visitor. And he waited all morning, but to his disappointment, his shop remained quiet, except for an old man who limped up to the door asking to come in for a few minutes of warmth. And while the man was resting, the cobbler noticed that the old fellow's shoes were worn out. And so this touched the cobbler, and he took a new pair of shoes from the shelf and saw to it that the stranger was wearing them as he went on his way. But throughout the afternoon, the cobbler waited, but his only visitor was an elderly woman. He had seen her struggling under a heavy load of firewood, and he invited her, too, into his shop to eat. And he saw to it that she had a, a nourishing meal before she went on her way. As night began to fall, the cobbler heard a child crying outside his door. The child was lost and afraid. The cobbler went out and soothed the youngster's tears and with a hand led the child back home. When he returned, the cobbler was sad. He was convinced that while he had been away, he had missed the visit of his Lord. And in anguish, the cobbler cried out, Why is it, Lord, that your feet delay? Have you forgotten that this was the day? Then soft in the silence, a voice he heard, Lift up your heart, for I kept my word. Three times I came to your friendly tour. Three times my shadow was on your floor. I was the man with the bruised feet. I was the woman you gave food to, and I was the child on the street. You share Jesus' mission, the mission he began at Christmas every day. When you go to work, go to school, drive that truck, hop in that tractor, shop at the store, surf social media, visit the doctor's office, you are on mission like Christ was on mission. Christmas is a call to serve like Jesus served, to get down to business, doing the agenda Jesus was sent to fulfill in the messy world he was originally born into. He didn't consider it undignified or beneath him to operate in this world, and neither should we. May we as his church not lose track of Jesus. May we be found accompanying him where he decides to work in this world. May we not forget to look and to find where Jesus is. May we remember where the heart of God is. Where Jesus is, may we also be found. We're told the significance of Jesus' questions fly right over the heads of Mary and Joseph. They did not understand the sayings he spoke to them. But nevertheless, Luke tells us that Luke John, or Jesus honored his father and mother and departed with them back home. We're told that upon returning to Galilee, Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and favor with God and man. 
But the next time we'll see Jesus in Luke's gospel, a significant time jump has occurred when Jesus is an adult ready for baptism. Where is Jesus? I believe he's where he's always been. He's still healing and helping a hurting world and leading people to salvation in his name. If you're looking for him, the best place to look is there. Trust me on that. Where will Jesus find you? My prayer for us all, both individually and corporately as a church family, is that Jesus will find you and I being faithful to the business of his Father wherever God has uniquely placed us. Celebrate Christmas, church, in whatever way you do. But remember the reason behind the season, the mission, and the message. Where Jesus is, may we also be.